Two of those three men, the British Secretary of State for War and Air, Winston Churchill, and the Soviet Union's Commissar for Nationalities, Joseph Stalin, may well have foreseen themselves one day leading their nations in war and peace. Both men recognized the fragility of the new peace negotiated in Paris and had divined that Europe's period of peace would likely not last long. Ambitious men, close to the centers of power in their respective countries, Churchill and Stalin knew that no treaty in and of itself could resolve the core issues of the murderous period of global conflict that had begun in that disastrous summer of 1914. The idea that in the next war they would fight shoulder to shoulder as allies likely would have struck them both as ludicrous in 1919, although they had each seen enough radical change in their lifetimes that perhaps nothing would have surprised them too much. The third man, Captain Harry S. Truman, could have had no idea that the next time his country ended a major war, he would command not an artillery unit, but the entire nation. Who the hell is Harry Truman? demanded Franklin Roosevelt's chief of staff, Admiral William Leahy, when he heard that the Democratic Convention of 1944 had selected the relatively obscure Missouri senator to run as Roosevelt's vice presidential nominee. With only a high school diploma and no experience in foreign relations, Truman rose from failed businessman to President of the United States, marking one of the strangest career trajectories in the history of American politics. In July 1945, when he first met with Churchill and Stalin in the posh Berlin suburb of Potsdam, moreover, Truman knew that he had to take the place of a man he himself described as impossible to substitute. He also knew that Franklin Roosevelt had kept him almost completely in the dark on the most critical matters of wartime policy. Truman arrived at the most important moment of his career woefully and astonishingly unprepared for the monumental task ahead of him. He had not even left the United States once since his return from the battlefields of France in 1919. The task in front of the three Allied leaders and their staffs was nothing less than giving Europe peace and stability, something it had not known since the Cataclysm of 1914. All three men, as well as their advisors, had had their worldviews formed in the crucible of the War of 1914-1918. For Stalin, the Russian Revolution and the bloody Russian Civil War that followed directly from the Great War further proved the point that the transition from war to peace could present as many challenges as the battlefield itself. If the Big Three of Potsdam failed as the Big Three of Versailles had, then Europe would know not a future of peace, but another age of strife, death, and more war. The three men had different post-war visions, based on the strategic interests and historical experiences of their nations in the first half of the 20th century. Those years had seen astonishing, revolutionary changes. World War I had eliminated the most powerful monarchies of Europe and left in their wake a struggle between democracy, fascism, and communism to control the political and economic future of the continent. World War II took fascism out of the equation and also left such traditional powers as Germany, Italy, and France in tatters. Even Britain, Nominally one of the war's great victors sat on the edge of bankruptcy and a dire risk of losing the empire that had sustained its great power status. 
In place of the traditional powers of Europe, now came the United States and the Soviet Union. The former had largely turned away from Europe in 1919, and might still do so again in 1945. The latter, a revolutionary regime fresh from a bloody but triumphal victory, presented a terrible nightmare to some and an alluring future to others. In either case, the future of Europe no longer belonged exclusively, or even primarily, to Western Europeans themselves. In the minds of the men who met at Potsdam in July 1945, to put the pieces of the world back together, the war that ended in 1945 had begun not in 1939, but in 1914. Men as diverse as British Foreign Secretary Sir Anthony Eden and French philosopher Albert Camus spoke not of two separate wars, but one thirty years' war.